Welcome to the audio podcast of Believer's House. We are a multi-generational, multi-ethnic church in the city of Halifax, Nova Scotia, called to lead people to Jesus, make them more like Him, and see them lead others to Him. We hope this message you are about to listen to inspires you to become more like Jesus in your thoughts, words, and actions. Welcome to Church Believer's House. You may be seated. We finally made history. All the story pastor is always telling us that some of us we've never experienced. Now we are writing our own record. We made that history this morning. Glory to God. Welcome to church. This is Believer's House. If you are worshiping with us for the very first time, we are sorry, but we are not sorry. But we are glad that you are here. We are glad that you are here, that you didn't just come and say, oh, no lights. Bye. See you next time. We are glad that you, you made it here. So what an honor to welcome you on this history-marking day. So believers, as we are writing our own record, first service without power, without anything. And as God we have it, I don't know if Pastor knew, by the time I woke up this morning, he just told me the lamp is already in the car in case you need it. And I'm sure we did need it. So thank you. If you're worshiping with us for the very first time, this is Believer's House. And we say here we exist to make what? Make people. Lead them to Jesus. Make them more like him and see them lead others to Jesus. If that's very long, we have a very short version of it. And it's what? Come, grow, and go. Come here and receive the word of life. Grow up into the image and the stature of Jesus Christ. And go out there and be a voice and representative of Jesus. Like Pastor always says, when I say go, it's not go away. No, it's not go away. Go and represent Jesus and make him famous. Make him known. So this morning, we'll be having a bridge version of our service this morning. So I'll be going straight to the message this morning. So bear with me. There won't be any... Anything on the screen. Hopefully we have our Bibles or we have our phones that we can use. And we'll just be using that this morning. You know, all the stories Pastor was telling on Wednesday, how somebody's message disappeared. That was the dream I had this morning. I woke up, I'm like, so I was like saying the scripture, okay, I know where this is. I wonder, like, if my scripture disappears, I mean, my outline disappears. No, I have to. So this morning, while I was in the bathroom, I was just going over the outline. That no, you cannot disappear. Oh, you can't disappear. I can't mistakenly delete you. So it's like he has given us expo. Yeah, last week's service, all of the examples is what using. It's like that's what we are having this morning. So say this with me every day, every day. and in every way. I'm becoming more like Jesus. I'm becoming more like Jesus. I'm becoming more like Jesus. In my thoughts, in my words, and in my actions. In Jesus' name. Father, we are grateful for this honor to just to be with you. That is the greatest desire of our hearts. To just be with you, to be with you, to be with you. Lord, this morning we pray, Lord, has, as we go into your words, we ask for eyes to see Jesus. He has to hear his voice and a heart that understands him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I ask that you speak through this deep of clay of mine, O oh God, and let this word, let it edify us in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. So I'll be continuing with what I started last week. So heart your faith, part two. So we started last week, we saw that scripture in um, 
in First Peter chapter 1, Second Peter chapter 1, talking to us about faith, as we've been talking about the issue of faith. And what we wanted to progress with was the fact that we are not just going to end with the issue of faith. There are things we're supposed to start with having hard to have faith. And we started with the issue of diligence. We talked about that last week and mentioned some of those virtues, knowledge, and all of those things. So I said I'm going to talk about some of the character traits that um, was mentioned in the scriptures. So, so that we know practically what the Bible is actually just talking about. It's not just a list of things we are supposed to know or we are supposed to tick off. But how, how, how do we make it practical in our lives? But before I start this morning, the, the scripture that God brought to mind while I was praying about this wasn't even part of what I was going to talk about, is um, Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. I think it's good for you to just go home and read the whole of the scripture. So this um, chapter of the Bible is just um, the, the, the religious leaders, they've been trying and planning to kill Jesus, and the final opportunity came for them, like this is what we've been waiting for. And just to, to make everything, Jesus wanted to go out in grand style, because the Bible already told us that, he said, I, I gave my life. They didn't take it from me. I gave my life willingly. So he made all of the necessary preparation for his departure on earth. So in one of those final preparations was to eat the last supper with the disciples and so that they would know what is coming for, so that they know that, okay, I'm not, I'm not going. I'm not just leaving you guys, but all of the things I'm doing is in preparation for what lies ahead. So I was telling them that, do you know that me and the father, we've been gisting and talking about, this is the reason why I came. So that's he would have many sons. And I was telling them, but it's just a pity that one of you will be the one that will betray him. And everybody on the table, like, is that you? Is that him? Who will tell us? And they were hugging. Who is the person? Like among the 12, who is the person? Who is he talking about? And after that, see, that was going, you know, like, okay, so who is going to be the greatest? I'm like, ha-ha. Jesus is going to die. And after like, oh, it was like, okay, let's forget. He's going to die. We know. Or he already said that he's coming back. So let's forget about that. He's like, okay, who's going to be the greatest among us? Me? You know, G- John and his brother, the mother already went to him. I'm like, please, oh, wherever you are sitting, let my two sons, let them sit one at your right hand, one at your um, other hand. And they were all arguing. I'm just like, shh. Are you guys not bothered that I'm leaving, that they're going to kill me? And you're talking about who is going to be the greatest. So I'm going to pick this story up from chapter, I mean, verse 24. Luke chapter 24, verse 24, to, chapter 22, verse 24 to 32. It says, A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? In our day, if you're going to ask who is the greatest, the person sitting on the high table, right? But he said, well, it is not one who is at the table, but I'm among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom just as my father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sieve all of you as wheat. Before now, I've always read the scripture as Jesus talking to Peter that Satan wanted to sieve Peter as wheat. But when I read it in other translation, this wasn't what Jesus, it was actually all of the twelve. So it was all of the 12. But he said, well, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. Did you see what he prayed for? What did he pray for? His faith. He says, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. 
Strengthen your brothers. Satan's desire hasn't still changed. His desire is to see believers as wheat. And that's what he's still doing. He's still going around asking for permission because that's what he did. He went to the father. The same thing he did with Job. He went to God. He didn't just go and start attacking Job. He went to God and asked that, I need to deal with this guy. I was telling God that what? The reason why this guy is faithful to you is because he has all of those things. And is that our story that the reason why we are still in church, the reason why we are still serving God is because things are working. We are getting the promotion at the right time. Our businesses are excelling. Is that why we are still with God? Or is it because our trust and our faith is in him? So that's what, like what we said this morning, that's what we have to examine ourselves, know what our motives are. Are we committed to him because of the things we can get from the father or because of who the father is to us? So like the, the Job, I mean, Satan's intention was, uh, concerning Job was, he said he wanted to destroy him. After the first attempt, the first time he came to God and God said, go try him out. He killed his children. He killed all the animals. And he still went back to God and said, the reason why this man is still not um, de- uh, denying you is because you have an hedge over him. Like, what else do you want? He says, he's health. You have, you know, he says, health for health. And that's where he is. So it's not after just the things. It's after your confession of faith. Are you going to maintain your confession of faith? That no matter what is going on around you, he's going to maintain the confession of your faith. Look at what Job's wife said. It's saying, cause God and die. Like all of those things that are happening to you, it's not enough to keep your faith. Cause God and die. You know, that's the end of it. But he said, well, I would not. I would say, I've made a covenant that I will not look at a woman lustfully. And he said all of those things concerning God. So that's what we want to challenge ourselves concerning. This morning, Jesus' prayer for Peter was that his faith would not fail. And what it says is seated at the right hand of the Father, sleeping and gisting with the Father. What's Jesus doing at the right hand of the Father? Making intercession for us. The one he prayed for, Peter, he's still praying that same prayer over us. The Holy Spirit is making intercession for us. That what our faith will not fail. That our faith will not fail. If you look at that scripture overall, you see that what God, I mean, Jesus was actually telling them that what? He says the trial of your faith, that's what produces character. It produces patience. So if your faith is not tried, you cannot develop in character. So when we talk about character, we just think the way we act when people are seeing us. What produces character in us is the trial of our faith. If our faith is not being tested or tried, we cannot develop in character. We cannot develop in trust in God. And that's what Jesus was trying to um, show them. Yeah, he talked about humility. He's saying, who is the greatest? Is the person that serves. He's just trying to tell them that to be humble, to, to, to be someone that is giving. All of these character traits that we're going to see in Second Peter, that's what Jesus just said in, uh, in that illustration that he was showing them. This is what I'm preparing you for. This is what I'm preparing you for, that you are people that are grounded in who you are in me. You know what, it's not what, um, what people are saying concerning you. And after all of those things, this same um, Luke chapter um, 22, they went towards, to that place of prayer. He prayed. He told them, I've prayed for you. But he went to that place of prayer because he himself was going to be tried. And what? To, to, to strengthen himself after praying and agonizing the place of prayer, says the angels came and ministered to him. And that's what we are saying because um, the Bible makes us to understand. It says the effectual prayer of a righteous man makes what? Tremendous power available. We don't just pray. The same thing we've been saying concerning faith. Faith is not to to get things. Prayer is not just to get things as well. Faith is to make what? Tremendous power available for us. In terms of um, you're facing a, a challenge, you're trying to develop a virtue in your life, you can actually pray those things into being. Because the word, prayer is supposed to make power available to you, dynamic in its, in its working. James chapter 5 verse 16, it says, confess to one another, therefore your faults. 
your sleeps. I'm reading Amplified Version. I forgot that there's no, no scripture. So confess one to another, therefore your thoughts, your sleeps, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, and pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and earth. So this scripture, when he was actually talking about sin, when, when you read the original text, it's actually not talking about bodily sin. That's not what is is part of it, but that's not primarily what it was referring to. Because it's saying you will be healed and restored to, that's the amplifier, saying to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. So that's why you can see that it's not just, I'll say you'll be restored to vitality if it was talking to just merely physical health. It says, or to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. Then it says, what the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available and it is dynamic in its working. It is dynamic in its working. So we see that it's not just um, Paul and Peter that are coming up with these character traits we need to have as uh, believers. Jesus Christ has been saying it from the get-go, even in Matthew chapter 11. He says, come to me, all you that are weary and are heavy laden. Come, carry my yoke. Carry my yoke. Live the way I've lived. This is my, 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 my request of you. And that's one of the things Pastor spoke about last on Wednesday. He says, well, it is not burdensome. What I'm asking you to do, it is not difficult. And that's the life God is calling us into. So I'll go back to the text we started with last week. 2 Peter chapter 1. And I'm reading from verse 1 to 11. I'm reading from the New King James Version. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 to 11. It says, Simon... Simon Peter, a born servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. So you can see that this is Simon writing, Simon Peter writing us this, um, this, um, this scripture and telling all of these things to do. He was the one the Lord prayed for. And he said, when you are done, when you come out, strengthen your brethren. So this is the part of the strengthening he's doing. This is the part of reconciliation he's doing that. Okay, I got a first-hand experience. I said, you need to read the whole of the scripture. He was like, I would never, I would never deny you. And God said, I know. But I've made provision for that. Even when that happens, I know you're still coming back. So that's what I want us to be thinking at the back of our mind. So Peter writing this to us and telling all, all of this is because he has heard first-hand accounts and experienced that. This is what Jesus told me. These are the things he's looking out for from each of us. So he's saying it to us so that we have to take this seriously. It's not just um, somebody that slept and had a dream that this is too good to have. They are not negotiables for us as believers. So he says, Simon Peter, a born servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by the glory, by glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through this you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue add knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. To brotherly kindness, love. For if those things are yours and abound, 
you will be neither barren nor of fruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. For he who lacks those things is short, short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This was um, Paul's, I mean, Peter's um, version of it. And let's see what um, Paul had to say concerning these um, virtues we are supposed to put on. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 to 14. And I'm reading from New Living Translation. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 to 14. It says, God, since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Then he says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, close yourselves with love, which bind us all together in perfect harmony. In perfect harmony. That last verse of um, that um, verse 14 in the, in the tra- um, Passion Translation it says, For love is supreme and must flow through each of these virtues. Love must flow through your humility, love must flow through perseverance, love must flow through your patience. It says, love becomes the mark of true maturity. The same um, Passion Translation, when he was going to explain the the fruit of the the Spirit, it says what? This is the fruit of the Spirit. Love in all its varied expressions. So the fruit of the Spirit is actually love. And all of other things we have there, the love, the patience, the gentleness, the kindness, they are what? Varied expression of love. So this morning, I was going to show you on the screen, but now I'm going to read it to you. From, from here. So I combined the, 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 this character traits from these two scriptures. A lot of them were overlapping, so I just combined the ones that are not common. So the first one is virtue, which is, um, in some translation, it has it as moral excellence. We have knowledge. We have self-control. We have perseverance. In some translation, it has it as patience, endurance. Others have it as long-suffering. Then we have godliness. We have brotherly kindness. In other translation, it has it as brotherly affection. We have love. We have tender-heartedness or compassion in some other translation. Compassionate art. We have mercy. We have gentleness. And we have forgiveness. I'll go over it again for those of us taking notes. Virtue, in some other translation, is moral excellence. We have knowledge. We have self-control. Perseverance, some translations have that as patient endurance or long-suffering. We have godliness. We have brotherly kindness. Some translation calls that brotherly affection. We have love. We have tender-heartedness or compassionate hearts. We have mercy, gentleness, and we have forgiveness. So last week, I talked briefly about Diligence, and I think the, the scripture that um, that topped that for me was that a lazy man goes out and kills a game and comes back and is too lazy to roast it. And we are not like that lazy man in the name of Jesus. 
So this morning, I'm going to talk about, well, I have few, hopefully, we are supposed to have our brief version, so we're not supposed to, I'm not supposed to keep us here the whole day, but I'm hoping that we'll, we live here with something, like we always say that it's not enough to hear the word. The word that you hear and you're not doing anything with it, it's not going to benefit you. If you go to a restaurant and you just go and sniff the food and you leave, you're not going to go filled up. So we have to eat, say, taste of the Lord, taste and see that the Lord is good. So this morning, I'm just going to go over as much as I can go over before I call it a day here, but I'm hoping that something will stir in our hearts. But the most important thing is a desire to be more like Jesus, to be more like Jesus. And we we say that every time that when we come here, it's not because um, somebody is perfect or we are aiming for perfection. On this side of the earth, we can never be perfect. So that's a consolation, but that we know we are going somewhere that way. When we see him glory, we are going to be like him. But as long as you are here, when you look at the mirror, that's the perfect law of liberty. You're making adjustments. You're combing your hair. If the word says, don't talk too much, maybe that's your comb your head, adjust your head. That's what the word is saying. Don't talk too much. Be kind. Those are the things that we want to do that as we are hearing that, we are making the necessary adjustments. So the first one I'm going to talk to us about is humility. Humility. So this is what is a personal quality of being free from arrogance and pride. And having an accurate estimate of one's worth. So you're free from arrogance and pride. But most importantly, the reason why you're free from arrogance and pride is because what you have an accurate estimate of your worth in God. So whatever we have, like what Paul said, he said, whatever I am, it, it has nothing to do with me. It is, it is the grace of God that made me what I am. And so whatever you are, you're beautiful, you're tall, you're short, you're kind, you're handsome, you're successful. It is what everything you are, you are because of God. And that's what humility is. So when you see other person and you think, oh, um, I'm jealous of this person, or you're, you're thinking that this, you look at someone and you think, what is it that they have? But you know that whatever it is that they have is because God has given them. When you understand that, that if I need anything, he says, ask your generous God. It's going to give it to you. Whatever you lack, ask your generous God. It's not so that you can start comparing yourself with other people. He says, well, those who do that, they are not wise. So humility helps you to see yourself in the light of the scripture. You know yourself worth. And the only way to be grounded in that is what? To have a good understanding of what the scripture has said concerning you. The provision that has been made available in you through the scripture. Because if you don't know that the Bible says that what you are loved, you are priceless, you are precious to him. You're not going to follow, you're not going to live like that. So it's having a good estimate of who you are in Christ. And that has to do with what? Spending time in the scripture to see what the father has called you, even when you don't look like that. But you have that picture before you. So the foundation of true humility is to be grounded in our understanding of who we are in Christ who we are in Christ. An example of those who displayed this quality, the first one, our perfect example is Jesus. Is Jesus. In, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 11. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 11 says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Some of us... It's not even he was God. Some of us, it's just the fact that we are a child of God. The pride and arrogance in our lives is, 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 
you can't even, you can't smell it. <laughs> how much more the person that was God? We are a child of God, but how much more the person that was God? He said he didn't cling to that knowledge. He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as human being. When he, when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that are the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. This scripture is the same thing that says what? It agrees totally with that scripture that says God resists the proud but gives us grace to the humble. And that's the same thing saying to us that what? After he humbled himself, after he exchanged all of those glories so that the will of the Father will be done, says what? God gave him a name that is above every order. And he says, at the mention of the name of Jesus, every new bows in heaven, on earth, and beneath the earth. So if you want to be exalted, if you want to get to that place that you cannot prepare for yourself or you cannot get to by yourself, then go through the path of obedience. I mean, go through the path of humility because what God gives grace, he gives grace to those who are humble. Another person that, that displayed this quality is what? Is Paul. You know, I, I like the way he, he said it. He was like, he was saying to this, I have all the reason to boast. If we have to boast about the knowledge of the law, I'm there. If we have to boast about the person that persecutes the church, I am there. What is it? It says Pharisees of the Pharisee. Like, I am the chief of them. So if, if it's in terms of boasting, I have all of the qualifications. But all of those things that I have, it says I've counted them as what? Nothing but dung that I may win the excellency of Jesus. So do we, do we pride ourselves in the qualification, MMR, MSD, PSD, GHD? You have all of those letters behind your name and you are forgetting to put one there that was the son of the most high God. Some of us, we don't even remember that we are children of God. The first thing is our qualifications. The first thing is our position. We remember all of those titles we have and the most important title of all because after all of those things, you leave those things behind. You leave all of those titles behind. But the one that is going to take you to the place of eternity is what? The son and daughter of the most high God. And that's the one we don't even remember. That's the one we don't even remember to put before ourselves. You don't have to put it on your, on your resume. But do you live as one that, 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 that Jesus paid his, I mean, shed his precious blood for? Do we live as that? Look at what Paul said here. Philippians chapter 3, verse 3 to 7. Philippians chapter 3, verse 3 to 7. It says, for we, for we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human efforts. He says, what? Though I could have confidence in my own efforts, if anyone could. Indeed, others have reason for confidence in their own efforts. I have even more. He says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a, he, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. He says, I was so zealous that I actually persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. 
It says, I, also, I once thought that these things were valuable, but now I consider them what, worthless because of what Christ has done. How many of us can our resume match Paul's resume? Like, it's not even, he said, he's, he was a trained, accomplished lawyer. So it wasn't just, um, you know, sometimes you use um, the fact that you're following Jesus as consolation prize that I did not go to school, but I'm a good follower of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we use um, our faith in Jesus as a consolation prize. No, the fact that you're a believer is not stopping you from reigning and dominating on earth. That, because that's one of the, that's the one thing we've been called to. Because after God made Adam, he said, what? what? Have dominion. Have dominion. What? Rule, reign. That's the mandate God has given us. So, but he said all of these things. He was saying that what I was circumcised. I have all blood. He says blood dead citizen of Israel. And the funny thing he says in obedience to the Jewish law. So it wasn't just priding himself in his earthly accomplishments. It was priding himself in his religious activities. Some of us cannot even say, "Oh, I obey all the Ten Commandments." You can't even pride yourself in that. But he, he was so sure of this strict observance of the, the law that he had. So I obeyed all of those things. Even above that, the extracurricular of religious activities, I went out to persecute the Christians. That I also did. But he said in verse 7, he says, all of these things, they were not valuable, but now I consider them worthless. Why? Because of what Christ has done for us. So that's what we have to do. We look at our lives in light of what Christ has done. And we want to make sure that we are patterning our lives after his kindness, after his, his, his image. We want to be like him. And that's why we make that confession in-house here. That was, we want to be like Jesus in our thoughts. Because if you can get your thoughts in line, you can get your actions in line. If your thoughts can be in line, your actions can be in line as well. So we want to be like him in our thoughts, in our words, and in our actions. So we, we have to possess kindness and not to refuse to show it. Sometimes we have kindness in our hearts, but we don't want to show it to other people. Like, they know that I'm kind, and it's only you and God that know that you are kind. Kindness is supposed to be shown to others. So we have kindness. You're supposed to, we don't can it in ourselves. We show it to other people. And it's one of the requirements that God said to, to, to the children of Israel. I read that. I read some scriptures to us. It's one of the prerequisites. If you are going to get back to God, Kindness was one of the things he asked them to show. Zechariah chapter 7, verse 8 and 9. Zechariah chapter 7, verse 8 and 9. It says, then this message came to Zechariah from the Lord. It says, this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Judge fearly and show mercy and kindness to one another. That's one of the requirements. Malachi, I mean, Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Another prophet saying the same thing that God said to this prophet as well. He says what? He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly before your God. You can see humility. You can see kindness there. So you can see that all of those character traits, they don't walk by themselves. They don't, you can't just say, I'm a kind person, but I don't love people. Or I'm a very patient person, but I, I cannot just stand. Like, they, 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 it's love, and it's what? It shows itself in all of these varied expressions. So if you have love, you have the kindness of God in your heart. All of these other things, they show for. But the thing about this character trait is, it's just like when you plant tomatoes. I'm not, a, I'm not a farmer, but hopefully my illustration makes sense. All of the fruits don't come out at the same time. Sometimes when some tomatoes shows, other parts will be budding, right? Some parts, some, some fruit, it's just like mango tree. All of the 
mangoes, they don't just all come out at the same time. You have some matured mangoes that are ripe to pluck, that some they are, they are there, but they are not yet ripe. The same thing, you might have love on lockdown, or you have kindness on, uh, and, um, on lockdown, or it's ripe. The other one is still coming up. So your duty is what? Make sure you're watering it. You're not giving up. And the way you water is to get connected to God. Because you cannot produce any of this fruit by yourself. You cannot will in that, oh, I'm making a resolution. I'm going to be a person that loves. You will love for the first day. You love for the second day. You thought, like, ah, uh-uh, I cannot just come and kill myself. You, you can't go. You can't do it by yourself. You can't make a resolution to love. It says, well, it's the love of God has been shared abroad in our hearts by what? Self-will. No, it's shared abroad in our hearts by whom? By the Holy Ghost. So for that work, that love to really work, you have to be connected to the source. And the source is God. So 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. It says, finally, all of you should agree and have concern and love for each other. You should also be kind and humble. We are talking about humility, but you can see bringing kindness, bringing justice, bringing mercy into the picture. So that's what the scripture is saying to us. So that's, that's what the scripture is saying to us. Now we're going to look at, I mean, kindness. We're going to look at kindness this time around. And when you talk about kindness, kindness is, um, when, when, when you talk about kindness, is, is not harboring, you're not harboring ill will for someone. That you know that someone has done something that deserves for you to be mean to them. But you choose to act right to the person, not because they've done anything to merit your goodwill, but because of the love of God I shared abroad in your heart, you decide to show them what goodwill. Look at that. One example, one perfect example that showed this, um, this quality of kindness is what? Joseph. Joseph, the, 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 the son of Jacob, after his brother, they sold him to slavery. You know, when they showed up, <laughs> you see, Finally, and good thing they don't even recognize him. So he could have done whatever he wants to do, and they won't even know that they are. You know, they were already saying, Oh, God is punishing, and they just think it's God's punishment. They will not know that it's uh, Joseph that is sitting as the punisher and the tormentor of the brethren. They will just think, Oh, they didn't know, like, ah, God is repaying us the evil. But what did he say to them? After even they were scared, after everything, they were like, Ah, is God repaying us for this evil? We have done this. But look at what he said to them Genesis chapter 47, I mean 45, verse 3 to 8. Genesis chapter 45, verse 3 to 8. It says, then Joseph said to his brother. So we've talked about, the first one we talked about was humility. Now we are talking about kindness. Kindness. said, so then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers, they could not answer him. For they were dismayed in his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, please come near to me. So they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years, the famine has been in the land and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth. And to save your lives by great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me, what, a father to Pharaoh and the Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout the land of Egypt. He had all of the excuses. Like, he was even saying, God has made me. He would just say, just take this food and don't come back. Don't let me see you people here again. 
Don't come back again. But what? Tell them, go, go get my father. Get your family. Get your children. Come back. Come live with me. Some of us will say, ah, God, is, God has finally vindicated me. God has fought for me and I held my peace. You use scripture to say, but that wasn't what, that wasn't what Joseph did. He told them that God has sent me ahead of you to prepare this. How many of us see the wrong that is being done to us as God actually preparing us, preparing us for what is ahead? How many of us see what? And God, what the scripture says is like, don't make sure you're not suffering from the evil you have done. So if you're suffering, make sure it's because of your good deeds. It's not because um, you stole, then they sack you. You not say, oh, mm-mm. You're not suffering because you did evil. You're suffering because what? You represent Christ. You're living for him. And you count it what? Count it all joy. That's what the scripture says. How many of us see the trials that we're going through as God trying our faith? As God preparing us, refining us, chiseling out all the rubbish in our lives, chiseling out things, the impurity in our lives that does not represent him. How many of us see that that way? Another person I want us to look at again is another Joseph. This time is what? Joseph, the husband of Mary. Like I said, kindness, you have all, like for you to show kindness to, to someone, you have all the rights to be mean to the person, but you choose not to do that. And that's what um, Joseph, the husband of Mary, did in this scripture. Matthew chapter 1 verse 19. We already know, we, have, we are familiar with this story. This is um, after Mary went to tell Joseph that, I'm sorry, I'm pregnant. How? And said, by the Holy Ghost, which one? Where does he live? Like it has never happened. So it took courage. Even Mary, must, she must be very courageous to go and tell the, the guy that, okay, I'm pregnant, and explain to him. But thank God for, for, for people that are actually following God. Because God, one of the ways God described um, Joseph is what? He says he's a, one, he's a man that fears God. He had the fear of God in him. Because if he was one, one rascal, say, I said it. I've been noticing the way you go and fetch water and you come back late. I've said it. There must be something. I'm like, uh-huh. But look at what he said. He says what? Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Like, he had all the, all the rights to break the engagement and make it public that, that I'm not doing again. No. So that's when they have to ask him later, so people won't be wishing that, I thought you engaged him. What happened? <laughs> but he was like, let's just do this. But he was... He was willing to suffer that. He's like, even if people have to approach me later on, I would, I would still protect this girl's image. I'll protect her reputation. That's what he was trying to do. But God was compensating him. Because now when we say it, we still say Joseph, the father of Jesus. But in reality, he wasn't. But God gave him that honor to host and to carry and to nurture this, this boy. Because if you read the scripture of after, after this scenario, all of the instructions that God gave concerning how Jesus will be trained, how they will escape. He didn't tell Mary anything anymore. It was Joseph in the dream that God would say, okay, wake up, carry this child and, and his mother. What if he had, he, 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 he missed that out of kindness to show this lady out of kindness. Somebody else would have stood up, maybe just uh, Mary's father would have stood up to represent the father of Jesus. But God would have had some, because God would never be stranded. He would have still picked somebody else to, to take that place. But this man comported himself. He said, I'm not going to put this lady into a public disgrace. And God rewarded him because he had a very solid relationship with God. Because God started instructing him. When it was time for him, he says, now Herod is dead. Take this child back. I was like, ah, is Herod's son that is still on the throne? No, please let us still hide here for a while. We'll go later on. Because what, he, 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 had what, he had a stake in this reputation of this child they were trying to protect. And he did everything. Because like, ah, let them kill him. I'm Kukunot's father. 
But what he staked his life to make sure that what Jesus was protected. So can God count us worthy that I've seen something, I've seen a child I want you to nourish, or I want you to nurture, or even your own biological child. Let me remind us something. Those children don't belong to us. You know that, right? They don't belong. They are caretakers. That daughter, that son the Lord has given you, they are not yours. In case you've forgotten, you are just caretaker for maybe 20 years, 15 years, whatever, how long it is, until you hand them back, present them back to God. So while we are doing this work of caretaking, make sure you're putting in your best, because that's what Joseph did with this child. And it started with what? In a place of nurturing, with that art of kindness. And if you read um, Proverbs chapter 31, you see one of the things this woman did was this, on her lips is the law of kindness. On our lips is the law of kindness. So kindness is not just um, a state of the mind. It's how our words are seasoned. It says on our lips is the law of kindness. So that the way we are relaxing with people, it's seasoned with word of grace. It's seasoned with word of affirmation that you're not just saying things. You know, I was reading, um, I was reading a book and this, this uh, I can't remember the title of the book. And it said one thing, it said the philosophy lived by that. You, when you speak to people, they shouldn't feel less of themselves. When you speak to someone, they shouldn't feel less of themselves. And sometimes you just want to, so especially when you're correcting, even children, where you want to make sure that you have done this wrong, and you, you speak to them in such a way that it's, because a child, they will forgive you, but for an adult, it, it, it's difficult to, sometimes you don't even remember what you've done, is how the person corrected you or disciplined you or rebuked you that you will remember. You can't even remember what exactly you've done. So as we are speaking to people in our daily activities, especially those younger to us that they cannot even challenge us, that's the best way to practice it. Because with an adult, they can, they can call, hey, 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 please, if the worst comes to you, I will resign. Please don't talk to me like that. But for a child, they can't do that. So they are the best way for us to learn to season ours, that we are talking to them honorably. We are talking to them with, with grace in, on, our, on our lips. Amen. I hope we've been blessed so far, despite the lights not being here. So we've talked about kindness. We've talked about, we started with humility. We talked about kindness. And uh, now talk about self-control. I think I will just, I will hand it with that. So I'm not taking too much of our time. Self-control. You know, when we talk about us being Christian, we, we've used uh, our salvation experience as license to live anyhow. Because we just think that when, when we live anyhow, I can always ask God for forgiveness. And you know some people, I, I don't know if you, you guys have experienced like they'll tell you that I will deal with you and I will ask God to forgive me. <laughs> they'll tell me that I will show you who I am and I will go and ask God to forgive us. I don't know which God you are going to go and ask to forgive you. Because some of us, we live like that, that you can do, like, in this moment, let's just pause it for now. Let's, let's, just, let's forget being a Christian. We just talk like normal human beings, and after that, we put on our Christian hats. Bless you, sister. That's not how we live. Christianity, like we said, our faith is who we are. In secret and out of secret. That's how we live our lives. We shouldn't have um, our church behavior and our outside behavior. The way we live is the way we are, in church and out of church. And that's what self-control talks about, is is this passionate approach to life. Having mastered personal desires and passions. So when you talk about uh, dispassionate, it's what? To be a person that is not affected by your emotions. You're not controlled by your emotions. You can't say because you are, you are hungry, then you can say anything. I'm not saying all of us have it by lockdown. Some of us, yeah. You, you say it first, then only so we just tell you, excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> 
did I just hear something? Just to remind you that, are we still in this temple that belongs to me? Because since it was my body is the temple, but I'm still asking, excuse me, do I have a guest in the house? Like, oh, no, I'm sorry. It's like reset. It's like reset. So it's not like we have it on lockdown. But the, the, the picture we are looking at is when we come to that place of the flesh and this, we step out. Because as it, we are stepping out in the flesh. We step out. It says those that are being led by the Spirit, you are being controlled by the Spirit. So when you step out of being controlled by the Spirit, you have to be quick to come back, to realign yourself. It's just like if you have a, a, a misalignment in your joint, you can't just say, oh, I'll just manage it. How long can you manage it for? You're go- it's going to get worse. The same thing with our walk with faith, walk of faith. Once we get out of alignment with God, the, the first thing we are pursuing is how to get realigned back to the Father. And that comes by also asking for forgiveness, not just saying that God knows, God knows. God knows, but he wants you to what? To ask, ask, ask for that forgiveness. And that's what um, I'm going to talk about when I'm talking about um, self-control, to be people that have mastered our emotions. Like we said there, yeah, we've talked about it during some of those series that what emotions does not control anybody in the right place. doesn't lead anybody to the right place. Like you can't be angry and make um, the right decision. The same thing like they always say, you can't be hungry and go shopping because you buy both the things you need and the things you don't need. The same thing, you can't be angry and say words of grace and say words like, I'm so angry, but I, I will just bless you from my... Where are you blessing from? It's not possible. It's not possible. So once you are, once you are out of line with the Lord, is um, sometimes you might not even have that opportunity to say, I'm taking a break. You're talking to your boss. You cannot say, I'm coming. Let me go and realign myself back, and I'll come and respond to you. You might not have that opportunity, but you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. You have to remember that. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Taking that, I, is, is, and, and that's one thing I, I'm... I want us to know and to practice is that what I say to my son, when I ask them, how does the Holy Spirit speak to you? They know that what it speaks, what tenderly, what to my heart It's not going to be screaming like of making signs to you, but you have to look inward thinking what give yourself that moment to pause and just under your breath. Holy Spirit, you don't have to say it, but in your heart, you're saying, what would you have me say? And if you don't have anything to say, That would be a better solution than for you to now come back and apologize that um, I was, no. Silence sometimes can be the best answer. So that's why we are, we are people that are not be controlled by our emotions. So we have to be the people that we are in touch with who we are. And who we are is what? Who God has called us. Take a moment of, 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 of silence to just be in touch with the Holy Spirit that, Lord, I know I'm being agitated, but I refuse to react. Would you show me what to do in this? Sometimes you just smile. Even yourself, you're wondering, ah, what's, what's, what's making me smile in all of this? But you know what? You're not acting based on what you're saying. That's who we are. We don't act based on what we see. So we are people. We are a bunch of people that we, we don't act anyhow. That's very important. We are not people that are not just... Um, you know what the Bible says? The, the, the spirit of a prophet is subject to the prophet. So we're not just people, people that we, we just under impulse, like, oh, like, no. 
we are being controlled by the Spirit of God. And it means what? Taking that moment to listen to what the Spirit will have you do. It's not just because, oh, everybody, everybody is doing something <clears throat> or because I feel like doing something and I have to do it. You are not controlled by your emotions because the emotions, they go up and down. This very moment, you can feel like doing something and the next moment, you don't feel like doing it. So that's why you are not people that, are being, that is controlled by your emotion. I'm not saying emotions that we don't do what our emotion says, but the emotion is not the one dictating what we should do. I'm not saying that because God gave us the emotions for a reason. You are not the one manufacturing the emotion. So the emotions, they are there to signal things. But it's left for you to, to determine, am I going to follow? And is this emotion telling me the right thing? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? So it's not because the emotion says, oh, I'm feeling happy now, so I'll do something that is happy. Or I'm, I'm, I'm not happy now, so I'll act unhappy. So even when, despite the way you're feeling, it's just like when Jesus was on the cross. Do you think it was like, oh, man, thank God, man, this cross, I've been waiting for it. Father, Father, oh, on the cross. No, no. Before he went, he was what, agonizing. He said he cried. He prayed, and his sweat was what? He could have just said, Father, let this call pass, please, and I'll let it pass, whoever you want to send. He could, he said that, it's not my will, but yours be done. So he had all of, if he wanted to react based on his emotion, we'd just still be with Adam and Evo. <laughs> all of us would still be running around with that bush and the, but he said, well, not my will. So sometimes the way you feel will be very deceptive, except you look beyond that feeling. That's what we are saying, that. The emotions might be, I mean, signaling something, but you have to look past the emotion that, despite the fact that I'm feeling this way, how am I actually supposed to act in reality? And I'll look at just um, two examples of this, and I'll call it um, a day. I won't go further. The first person is um, Esau, and we know the story of Esau. You can imagine he was very hungry. He was, and I always say, people say, oh, Jacob, Jacob is a, is a trickster. I'm like, Please, 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 don't blame Esau. If you sold your birthright, you've sold it. Yeah, he sold it because that was the agreement that was made. So, because if Jacob did not trick his father, the father would not know the agreement because they didn't go to their father and say, okay, daddy, this was what we did. We already said we have a binding agreement that I am now the first child because the father will be looking at who, who gave birth, who is selling the agreement. So, whatever way he had to do it, he still had to get the birthright blessing. And that's what he did. Why? Because he was hungry. I'm like, which story are you talking about now? Who is selling pottage? Who is selling? Let's read it from the scripture. <laughs> Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25, verse 27 to 34. It says, as the boys grew up. So these are twins, the, the sons of um, Jacob. Esau became a skillful hunter. He was an outdoors man. Boy, Jacob had a quiet temperament, preferring to stay at home. Isaac loved Esau, because he enjoyed eating the white game Esau brought home. But Rebekah loved Jacob. One day, when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness, exhausted and hungry. Esau said to Jacob, I'm starving. That's what my children say. I'm starving. I'm like, you don't know who is starving. Go to Africa and see the people that are starving. They don't look like this. So stop using that word. says, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew. This is how Esau got his other name, Edom, which means red. All right, Jacob replied, but trade me your birthright as the first one. So what would you have said? Ah, it's not that deep now. It's, it's right. What does birthright have to do with that? But he didn't say that. So he said, well, look, 
I'm dying of starvation. Starvation, said Esau. What good is my birthright to me? But Jacob said, first, you must swear that your birthright is mine. So Esau saw an oath, thereby selling all his rights as the firstborn to his brother Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil soup. Esau hates the meal, then got up and left. He showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn son. Because when, when you have all of these emotions, like you feel empowered, I mean, overpowered by them. Like, if I don't eat now, some of you feel like when you're fasting, like, if I don't eat now, I'm going to die. <laughs> 30 minutes will come, you're still standing. You will not die. I, ah, yes, you faint, you'll fall time. <laughs> or they'll blow, <laughs> and you come back to life. Sometimes just that delayed gratification tips you over to that promised land. That delayed gratification for one hour, two hours, or whatever, how long it is, tips you over to that promised land. And that's the risk some of us we are not willing to take. And there's another example again. This is on the good side. That's David. And this one, I'm not going to read the whole of the scripture, but I'll tell you where to find it. That's um, second. I mean, First Samuel chapter 22. I'll tell us the story. I'm not going to read because it's a long read. And this is um, David. After it was time for celebration, so he sent his servants to go to um, Nabal's um, house. So go ask for, for some things for me and my, my men so that we can just celebrate together. And the man said, well, who is this man? Who is this son of Jesse? All of you vagabond that you'll be running away from your master and now you want to come and ask me for food. You better go back to your, where you're coming from. And he insulted this, this man. They went back and they told their um, master that this is what this guy said. Do. And David made a promise. Man, I've watched over your sheep. I've watched over your servant. I made sure nothing happened while they were with us. I'm going to deal with you. He said, nobody, no male child will be standing in this. By the time I'm done with you, you will know that David passed through these streets. And they'll tell you that, ah, son of Jesus, he's not a, he's not a vagabond. I know what I'm doing. But look at what, um, thank God for, for a wise woman, a wise wife. This is what the wife did. Abigail, she ran to David and interceded on behalf of her husband. Because it's not just for herself. They would have killed her own children, killed whoever is there with her. Look at what she said, verse um, 32 to 30, um, 34. David replied to Abigail after she had um, told him, if you kill this guy, you have a conscience that you have to deal with the rest of your life. You've been working with God. You have a testament with God. But if you willingly go and kill this man, then you have this on your resume. The killer of neighbor. They'll put it there. She said what well, David replied to Abigail, praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you to meet me today. Thank God for your good sense. Bless you for keeping me from murder, from carrying out vengeance with my own hands. For I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, who has kept me from hurting you, that if you had not hurried out to meet me, not one of Nabal's men would still be alive tomorrow morning. Can you imagine? What would have, you know, it would have changed the whole story of David. It would have changed all of the plan that God said, oh, this son of Jesse. It would have, that's what I'm saying, like self-control tips you from where you are to that promised land. That self-control to just be able to, but he could have said, no, I, me, I already proposed in my heart, I will deal with him. But he allowed reason to prevail. Sometimes you might not be, in fact, the reasoning might not come from you because David was not even thinking. But you giving yourself space for other people to speak into your life or even moments can actually tip you over to that place of promised land. Amen. Amen. I, I hope we have been blessed. I'm just going to call it a day here. Can, can, can we just be on our feet this morning? I don't know where we are in this walk of faith. Because sometimes you think 
you've done well. Be like, oh, this one. And that, that's where I was myself. Like when I was checking my own resume, I'm like, Lord, this one, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Check me there. Check, check, check. And when God was going to do the assessment, because sometimes you can assess yourself based on your own standard. But when you allow God to assess you, then you know the pr- true picture and the true state of your heart. And that's what happened to me. And God was telling me, you think you're generous. <laughs> like you're joking. I'm like, ah, Lord, you know I can give this. Like, give this. And, ah, no, no, not like that one. <laughs> so and that's where we have, some of us have with God. And that's why David says, check me, search me, know my heart, prove me. And that's the prayer we want to pray this morning. He's the only one that can search us. Oh, I can look at you and tell you that you're doing well. You've done well. You can do better. But God can't look at you and tell you that, no, you haven't even scratched the face of where I want you to start. And on the other hand, I can be looking at you. I can commend you that, oh, you, you, you've surpassed every other person. And God will look at you. I'm saying, oh, you're not doing well. You're not doing enough. And God will look at you that, well done, thou faithful servant. So it's the Lord that can actually commend you. This morning, can you go to the Lord that, Lord, search my heart. Search my heart, search my heart. Like I said last week, we are working for the audience of God. It's the one, it's the Lord of Thank you for listening to this message from Believer's House. We hope you've been blessed. Please visit us at www.believershouse.church for more information about our church or to send us your questions, comments, and feedback. We hope to see you again soon.